We're in the second week of a series that we've been calling emotions, and we've been looking at the different emotions that we feel. And emotions are kind of that weird thing, especially for guys. We don't like to act like we have any emotions. And if we know that we have emotional feelings towards something, we just mask that and we play tough. We pack it down. We ignore it. And then the other spectrum, and I'm swiping with broad strokes here, so let me say this doesn't apply to everyone. But the other side is then you have women who are very emotional. Women wake up emotional. Men, don't raise your hand. It's Mother's Day. I don't want you in the doghouse today. But sometimes when you wake up and you open your eyes in the morning, you don't want the first thought to go through your head to be, wonder what kind of mood she's in today. But every man's had that feeling. You, you don't ever know. Like you can come home and on the way home you can be talking to the wife on the phone and she's laughing and cutting up and you walk in the door and she's mad as hell and you really don't know what happened in the 20 seconds from the time you turned into the subdivision till you turned into the driveway. And early on you were cute in your marriage and you tried to fix it. And then we mature and we learn the Jedi ways. And we learned that, man, we can't fix those emotions, so we just smile and try to get to the next room as quickly as possible. Emotions, man, I mean, we're, we're surrounded by them. I mean, the way we respond on Facebook to people is through emotions. We're happy, we're mad, we're sad, we have anxiety. We respond to the uh, post that's made by the emotion that we have. But the reality is, if you're ever going to live the life you were created for, you better learn to harness the different emotions that we go through. Because emotions can very quickly take over and consume your life. We talked about last week the emotion of anger. And we talked about, the Bible says, in your your anger, do not sin. There's no sin in being angry. It's a natural emotion. The problem is we don't know how to control our anger. We don't know how to handle our anger. We don't know how to process our anger. We don't know how to deal with our anger. So what happens is when we get angry, we sin in our anger. And we talked about how many people have destroyed everything in their lives because of anger. Today I want to talk about a subject that I don't know that I've ever heard talked about in church. I'm sure it has been. I'm not here to act like I'm the only person who's ever covered the topic. But it's kind of one of those topics that nobody wants to talk about because I'm not quite sure that anybody has a handle on how to deal with it. And I have encouraging news for you today. I don't know how to deal with it either. I don't have any magical answers for you today. I can't tell you how to avoid this emotion today, the reality is the emotion we're going to talk about is, is you have to go through it. You're going to have to deal with it. It's going to happen in life. I don't care if you're the toughest dude here. At one time in your life, you're going to deal with this emotion, whether you even realize you're dealing with it at the time. The reality is today you just came out of, you currently are in, or you're headed towards for lack of a better word, the funk. You don't know what brought the funk on. You, you don't know why you're feeling the funk. It's very dangerous when you have, you cuss as bad as I do to use the word funk. 
because I keep worried that I'm going to slip. And Christine's okay with a couple of the words. She's not okay with any of the words I say, but she tolerates some of the words I say. I think if I was to drop the F-bomb up here, that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back for most of you. So we're going to be careful today. But disclaimer ahead of time, if you think I say the other word, I didn't. Even if I do say it, I didn't. Okay? The funk. It looks really good typing it out now that I'm saying it. It's got me a little nervous. The funk is weird, man. It just happens. And the crazy thing about the funk is it normally happens when we least expect it. The funk comes when things are great. When everything's going good, it's just weird. But in life, the reality is we're going to go through difficult times. You're going to go through dark days. In this life, you're going to go through times where the funk sets in so bad that it's all you can do at times to get out of bed. You don't understand why. The funk is going to come along, and you're not going to understand why, but you're going to go into this state of feeling like, man, what is the meaning of life? Why am I doing this? And you can't control the emotion. There's this overwhelming sadness that is going to come over you. There's this overwhelming depression, for lack of a better word. That's the word we didn't want to talk about. That's the word that makes us tense. Depression. Depression is literally destroying our society. The number one prescription given today by doctors is prescriptions to deal with depression. The overwhelming sense of I can't get through this. Wallowing in our crap. Feeling sorry for ourselves. And I used to look at depression totally as a sign of those that were weak. I'm just going to be honest with you. Until one day I was going through some things and I wasn't dealing with them in my normal way. And Christine said, you know what your problem is? You're depressed. I'm not depressed. I don't get depressed. Gary freaking Lamb. I'm stronger mentally than getting depressed. She said, yeah, you're not laying in bed sad. You're not wallowing in it. But all these actions, this anger, this frustration, and your short fuse, it's because you're depressed right now. You need to figure it out. And especially us dudes, especially us dudes in the South, man, we just don't think that's tough. There's some guys here today that are probably thinking, man, what is wrong with this guy? But deep inside, they know they deal with it. They're just not man enough to admit it. Their wife knows they deal with it. Their parents know they deal with it. Their coworkers know they deal with it. Even their kids know they deal with it. Everyone knows they deal with it, and the only person they're fooling is themselves. But they're never going to live the life they're intended to live until we learn how to process through those times. And like I said, the thing to me that's the most crazy about sad or the crazy about depression or crazy about the funk or crazy about, God forbid, everybody hates when I preach this sermon and I'm not preaching it, I'm just going to use the phrase, the dip, is it comes at the craziest times. 
I mean, I don't know how, how to explain it. It's not like always something bad happens and we go into a depressive state. Actually, quite the opposite. Normally, when a de- something bad happens, we go into survival mode and we fight through the depressive state because we know in order to get victory over what has happened, we have to survive. It's when we least expect it that that right hand comes. That left jab comes. It staggers us. And then we're not careful. That uppercut comes and depression is taking us over. What normally happens is, is your life is on an upward path. Things are going good. The job is going good. Your relationships are good. Your finances are good. Your health is good. Your marriage is good. For the first time in a long time, man, you got victory over your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups. And out of nowhere, you get up one morning and life is crashing down all around you and funk has happened. How do we deal with those situations? Because the reality is they're going to happen. We've been taught we power through those moments and I'll be honest with you, powering through works in the short term. Powering through will get you through it, but the next time it comes, it'll be worse. And then the next time it comes, it'll be worse. And I know some of the toughest people that I know who have literally allowed the funk in their lives to destroy their lives, to literally shut them down and turn them into unproductive members of society. Sadness happens. Depression happens. The funk happens. And here's the encouraging news today. It happens, and there's nothing you can do about it. Ain't that encouraging? You thought I was going to tell you, here's five ways to avoid the funk. You can't avoid the funk. Funk happens. It happens to better people than us. People that have it together a whole lot more than we do. Funk happens. You can't avoid the funk. You can't go over the funk. You can't go under the funk. You can't go to the right. You can't go to the left. All you can do is go through the funk. But how you go through it is the key. The funk can define you. Or as I say to so much things, the funk can refine you. The funk can destroy you. It can label you. It can mark you. Or it can mold you and shape you and break you where you're put back together stronger than ever. That They say a broken bone that heals properly is stronger, 12 times stronger than it was before. It's amazing. That brokenness can make us stronger than ever. Matter of fact, dare I say, we are who we are today, good and bad, because of the brokenness and how we've handled it in the past. 
I'm a better dad today because I was a crappy dad yesterday. I'm a better husband today, and by no means am I a good husband. So that shows you how bad of a husband I was then. I'm a better pastor today. That's shocker, ain't it? Say, you're not much of a pastor. You should have seen me 12 years ago. You should have seen Gary pastoring the biggest church in the, in the, in the city. I was horrible. I'm better today because of the hurts of yesterday. I can't teach you today how to avoid the funk. But I can show you how to get through it. The great thing about this book, whether you believe it's the Word of God or not, the great thing about this book, whether you believe it is fiction or nonfiction, the great thing about this book is it's full of stories of people who had dealt with years ago what we deal with today. The funk is nothing new. Sadness is nothing new. The Bible talks about a guy in the Old Testament whose name was Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God, meaning at that time, God spoke through individuals, and the individuals told people what God had said. Elijah was a prophet. Elijah had more victories probably than any of the prophets that are listed in the Old Testament. But the crazy thing about Elijah is though he had so many victories over and over and over and over and over, you'll find Elijah in the funk. You'll find Elijah at the witch end. We're not talking about this story today. But after his greatest victory, you'll see that Elijah is under a juniper tree literally asking God to kill him. Funk happens. But in our story today, Elijah's being faithful to what God instructed him to do. He's being faithful to the calling of God on his life. And suddenly, something happens in his life that could put him in the funk. How you respond to the funk will determine whether or not you live the life you were created for. It's a missing subject talk today. Nobody wants to talk about it because we don't necessarily know how to handle it. It intimidates us. We look at depression as weakness, and let me make this very clear. If you don't handle it right, it can be weakness. Again, we, with the, the pendulum swings both ways. We have those who wallow in their depression. They're consumed by their depression. They blame their depression on everything. On the other side, we have those that just blow it off like it's no big deal. We got to learn how to get through that. Because it's coming. The funk's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming. And we got to know how to deal with it. I, I, I'm talking about depression today when everything in your life is going awesome. <laughs> and without warning, it starts to fall apart. And a lot of times that can happen for various reasons. Sometimes the funk comes because it's all our doing. We cause the funk. We just don't want to take responsibility for it. We make poor financial decisions. We neglect our marriage. We let our, we let our health go. 
We make poor decisions, and the consequences for our poor decisions are exactly what's happened. The funk is there. Sometimes it's just stupidity that causes the funk. You have too much to drink. You get behind the wheel of a car. You get a DUI. Guess what? You're in a funk, and it's your own fault. I could go on and on and on, but then there's what I like to call divine depression. I wrote that down this week. Double D's, if you will. And that's everybody in this church who has their mind in the gutter. I just called them out. Now spotted them. You know who to avoid. Divine depression. This is what many of us experience. Going about God's call on our life. Living our life, trying to do what's right. Working at our marriage keeping our finances in line, trying to be the best parents we can. We're on that track and we're going along and suddenly the funk happens. For the first time ever, you've got victory in your life over your insecurity. And for no reason at all, it flares up and you don't think you're good enough. You thought you had that that porn addiction under control. You see an image and man, you're back Googling nonstop. Boom, boom, divine depression sets in. You, you thought you had your anger issues. Man, you heard the sermon last week. You've been putting the plan into action. Suddenly, somebody pulls out in front of you on Georgia 20, right there in front of Target, where there's the biggest cluster. And this, Oh, I'm sorry. I got triggered there for a minute. Got triggered there for a minute. You chase them down. You pull not. That doesn't happen. <laughs> the divine depression exists. <laughs> Man, you've been working, your spouse has been working, you've been getting your finances in order. You wake up and you open the refrigerator and it's not working and everything in there is bad. The funk. How about this, man? You and your spouse have been working at your marriage and things are clicking and just suddenly something happens. And all hell breaks loose and you're talking divorce. The funk happens. We don't know what happens. I like to call them the divine depression because in those moments, God's getting ready to teach us something. And trying to live for God and everyone around you tears you down for. The reality is sadness happens. Depression happens. The funk happens. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Kings 17. If you don't have your Bibles, it's cool. It's going to be up on the screen. This is an awesome story. The Bible says, Now Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. So remember, Elijah's a prophet of God. God has told Elijah what to say. He has went to the king and he says, hey, God has told me to tell you there'll be no rain, there'll be no dew. This is huge. They lived their lives. The the vitality of the country depended on rain. Couldn't grow crops without rain. Can't hydrate without rain. Can't feed the animals without rain. Without rain, literally the entire country would die in a matter of years. And Elijah comes on the scene because God is punishing them for not serving him. And he says, hey, God wanted me to tell you there will be no rain and there will be no dew. This is the first time in the Bible that we're introduced to this cat named Elijah. He goes to the king, he tells him these things. And then the Bible says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. So this is key. Don't forget this. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Things are going good. Elijah's doing what God's told him to do. He's went to the king. There's going to be no water. The problem with there being no water is that affects Elijah. Elijah likes to drink. He likes to hydrate. He he needs water to function. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here. Turn eastward 
hide in the Cares Ravine east of the Jordan. I love this. God says, you've done what I told you to do. You went to the king. As you went to the king, you are now going to become public enemy number one, and the king's going to want to kill you. I'm going to protect you. He said, I want you to go east, go to Kareth Ravine. I want you to hide. God's GPS. You can never go wrong following God. He said, go down to this place. And he said, Elijah, I'm going to take care of you. Look what he says, verse 4. He says, you will drink from the brook. You'll drink from the brook. Remember when he told the king there'd be no water and there'd be no rain, there'd be no dew? When there is no rain in the land, there is no brooks with flowing water. But God sent Elijah where there was some. He said, I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. (laughs) I love this. This is like pimp stuff right here, man. There's a drought in the land. But God says, I'm going to let you drink from a brook that nobody knows about. I'm going to keep this brook going to quench your thirst. On top of that, I'm going to have ravens bring you food. Worthless, nasty birds are going to bring you food. I don't know what kind of food it was. I like to, I like to think it was a ribeye. Like another one brought a baked potato. That's Gary Lamb's version of the Bible. I don't know. It was probably bread. But if I was writing it and I was God, we'd be in trouble. But if I was God, it would have been like a ribeye. So verse 5. So he did what the Lord told him. Upswing. Life is good. The rest of the country has no water. Because there is no water, there is no food. The king's hunting Elijah down. And Elijah's safe. He's got water from a brook. T-bone from a raven. Baked potato with cheese and sour cream and them little green chives on it from the other raven. I like to think every now and then God had a raven bring him a piece of cheesecake. That's my kind of God right there. That's the God I serve. If your God doesn't bring you ribeyes, baked potatoes, and cheesecake, he's a small God, okay? Listen, he did what the Lord told him. That's where most of us would mess up. God, you don't want me to go that way. But Elijah did what he told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat. Well, it was ribeye. In the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. So it was probably like eggs and bacon in the morning. A rack of ribs and a T-bone at night. And he drank from the brook. Don't miss this. This is key. Life is good. He's following God. Drinking food every day, twice a day. Almost as good as prison, man. Three hots in a car. He's good. The man of God, don't miss this, don't miss this. The man of God is following the will of God. Yet the funk's coming. He's right smack dab in the center of God's will. Let me tell you the biggest lie preachers tell you. They tell you the safest place to be is the center of God's will. It's a lie. It's the best place to be. But don't mistake best for safest. 
Daniel was in the center of God's will, and he got thrown in a lion's den. It was the best place because God protected him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the center of God's will, and they ended up in a fiery furnace because it was the best place God protected them, but it wasn't a safe place. Jesus was in the center of God's will to the point that he asked God to let it pass from him. Let somebody else do this. But in the center of God's will, he got hung on a cross. The center of God's will is the best place, but it's not the safest place. Elijah is in the center of God's will, doing exactly what God has told him to do. And funk happens. Verse 7, sometime later, we don't know how long. Theologians believe it was 18 to 24 months later. I don't know what they base that on. They're smarter than me. Sometime later, here's what I know it was sometime later. The brook dried up. <laughs> Check out why the brook dried up. There had been no rain. You know why there was no rain? Because God told Elijah to tell the king there'd be no rain. Kind of ironic, right? God, you sent me here to make sure I was fed and my thirst is quenched. I did what you told me to do. And now funk happens. If you begin to read deep in this, you'll see that Elijah began to get angry. He began to get frustrated. He began to get questioning God. He was fearful, as any of us would be. No water. There's no meat. God, I did exactly what you told me to do. God, I, God, I, I did exactly what you told me to do in my marriage, and it's falling apart. God, God, I, I tried to honor you in every aspect of my finances, and we're about to lose everything. God, I've honored you with my body. I, I've ate right, and I've worked out, and I've taken care of this temple you've given me, and I've been to the doctor, and all of a sudden now I have cancer. Funk happens. There's nothing you can do about it. I told you, you can't avoid the funk. Can't go over it, can't go under it, can't go around it. So what do we do with the funk? We go through it. Listen to me today if you don't listen to anything else. How we go through it will determine the future of our lives. How you deal with the funk in life will determine whether or not you have victory in life or if life has victory over you. Funk happens, so how do we deal with it? Funk's coming. How do we respond to it? The funk comes. Don't miss this, though. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Because I don't want you to beat yourself up. The funk didn't come because you've done anything wrong. It's come because God let it come. God's going to mold you if you allow him. Answer that phone, don't say anything, and just leave it on where they can hear the sermon. They probably need it. God's allowed it to come so he can mold you in your mess. You know the hardest people to reach for God? Those that got it all together. 
Those are everything's going good. Because we get this arrogant thing going in our lives like it's because of us. We're hard-headed. God's got to knock us down where we'll look up. It's in the fire that we begin to soften up where God can shape us and mold us and turn us into what He desires us to be. It's in the midst of the funk that God uses the mess to mold us for the ministry He has for us. So what we can do is we can reject the funk. It's still going to be there. Or we can embrace the depression. The first thing we've got to do is we're going to accept what God is doing. We've got to accept what God is doing. Depression is going to happen. Sadness is going to happen. The funk is going to happen. You can fight it. You can kick against it. You can deny it. You can act like it doesn't exist. But it exists. You know it exists. You can't stop it. The problem is when it comes, we spend so much time acting like it's not there instead of getting victory over it. We spend so much time fighting it, denying it, instead of accepting it and learning through it. You'll never get through depressed times until you swallow your ego and recognize you're in a time of depression. That works in any area of life. You'll never get your finances in order until you realize your finances aren't in order and you accept it. Until you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that's why it's, it's the most important step in dealing with an addict. You'll never see an addict get victory in their life over their hurt habit hang-up until they admit they got a problem. Depression happens. The funk happens. Dare I say it's unavoidable. Elijah's at the brook. The brook dries up. Maybe you don't understand the ramifications of what is happening here. This is a big deal. No brook means no water. No water means no hydration. No hydration means you die. You say, well, Elijah can go somewhere else. No, he can't. He's public enemy number one. The whole country is without water because of the, what he said. He couldn't just pack his bags and go to the next place. He, he's far away from anything. He could literally dehydrate and die. <laughs> he's where God told him to be. Don't miss that. And yet the brook is right up. Now, you know what Elijah could have done? He could have got mad about it. He could have got angry about it. You know what kills me? And I'm going to hurt some of your feelings real quick here for a minute, and I'm okay with that. I think this is the stupidest thing in the world. He could have got mad at God. I'm mad at God right now. You know how many people have told me that in their life? I'm mad at God. Okay. Well, how's that work for you? I'm mad at God. I used the illustration earlier. I got a buddy of mine who's mad at God because he lost his driver's license. You lost your driver's license. You got three DUIs, you idiot. How's that God's fault? 
He's mad at God. I'm mad at God. He could have gotten mad, but Elijah didn't get mad. He chose to accept it. The next verse, verse 8 says, first part says, And the word of the Lord came to him. That's important. A lot of preachers, when they're preaching this text, I listened to three sermons this week on this text. They just use this as what they call a transitional verse. It's transitioning to set you up for the next part. But it's important. You can't overlook this part of the Scripture. It's more than a transitional verse. It's a huge verse because this is the verse where God's about to set things up. This is the verse where God's about to get Elijah in the place of getting through the funk. Had Elijah not listened to what happens here, he'd have never got through the depression. Here's the deal. You're going to have sadness. You're going to have depression. You're going to have a funk. The quicker you accept it and try to realize what God's teaching you in that time, the quicker you'll get through it. But we live in a day and time where we coddle depression. We put it in our arms and we shake it. It's almost become a badge of honor today to be depressed. We're growing a generation that depression is the answer for every problem they have in life. Depression happens. There's imbalances chemically that happen in our life that cause us to go through that state. I'm not minimizing it. Just like any of these topics we're talking about emotionally. Let me make this very clear to you. Those aren't excuses to allow them to control you. You get a grip on them. You learn how to deal with them. You learn how to handle them. You go get perfect. Sometimes it does mean you get medicine to balance everything out. I don't think every time we're put on medicine it's the right thing. But there's times that medicine is the right thing. But in the midst of the medicine, you still got to accept what you're dealing with. So many people spend their time arguing with God instead of accepting that God knows best for our lives. God knew what he was doing with Elijah at this moment. We don't even know what's going to come as a result of the funk. They were fighting God about it. How many of you ever had to spank your kids? Okay, I'm not going to report you, I promise you. I had to spank my... Let's change that, because I know you don't want to... How many of you ever been spanked? Listen. In the lamb house, when it was the Edward house, I was the only lamb. My dad had the gray ghost. It's a gray leather belt. He never wore the gray ghost. It did not keep his pants up. There was no purpose but one purpose for the gray ghost. Whippings. When it was time to get whipped. My dad was not an abusive man. Actually, my dad's the most passive dude. My dad's the guy who would whip you and be crying as he's whipping you. But my dad, now that I'm old, will laugh about it and say, man, the pre-whipping for Gary was worse than the whipping. 
He said, it'd take me 20 minutes to get him up against the bed. He's falling out on the floor. He's crying. He's screaming. I thought to myself, son, if you'll just take the two paddlings or the two whips or whatever it is, it'll be over in two seconds, but you drug it out for an hour now. <laughs> get it? I learned this technique with Christine is you don't drag it out. You don't even let them know it's coming. Christine's like a ninja. <laughs> They don't even know it's coming. Like, they're, at first, they're not even hurt. They're shocked. Me and Christine are on about our fifth date. You know what I'm storing picks and tell. Emily is seven years old. She's innocent. She is not innocent today. Teenager. And apparently she stole something from the store. We're walking into Brooklyn Joe's, and I'm talking about like a cobra striking out of nowhere. I don't even know what's happened. Apparently, Christine realizes that Emily has stole something before I even know what's going on. Emily is backhanded up against the wall at Brooklyn Joe's. I'm the pastor in town. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm talking about blood vessels are coming out of her head. Emily ain't crying, though, because she didn't know it was coming. She's in shock. I'm in shock. Calm down. We can't do this here. Beat her in the car. That story really ain't do anything with a sermon. I just want to tell it because I think it's funny. But the problem is, we get all upset before, and we spend all this time fighting God. And we don't even know the outcome. Little stupid dog this last week. We have two big dogs, and we have a little stupid dog. Little stupid dog ate some bug poison this week. Everybody in the lamb house goes into panic mode. Everybody's mad. Everybody's angry. Everybody's stressed. We're talking, man, it's going to cost thousands of dollars. We got to take her to the emergency. Everyone's freaking out. Instead of coal and poison control, which we did an hour later of after an hour later of freaking out. They have us read the ingredients. I'm like, she'll be fine. Just watch her. But that's what we do. We spend all the time freaking out. We spend all the time fighting with God in the middle of the funk instead of breathing and realizing. And for the record, I was freaking out too because I like a little stupid dog too, okay? I'm holding her, freaking all out. Then I'm mad. And it, then we're mad that there's bu- I'm, I'm mad there's bug stuff all around the house. If there was bugs in the house, I'd be mad there wasn't no bug stuff around the house. But my little stupid dogs ate it. It was like giving a kid medicine, man. They're fighting you. They're all and all. Emily this week had to take medicine. It got so tense at the table. Teenager. We're playing Uno. Christine says, if that medicine is not gone by your next turn, I'm going to hold you down and pour it down your throat. <laughs> she takes it. It's five minutes. I'm gonna throw it. You're not going to do anything. It's down now. But all oh, what I'm saying, he said, what's the point? My point is this. We spend so much time fighting the funk instead of just dealing with the funk, accepting the funk, And getting through the funk. What's God teaching us 
in the funk. You can't be taught in the funk till you accept the funk. Laying around feeling sorry for yourself in the funk isn't going to help you in the funk. When you get angry with God, when you get bitter with God, when you get mad at God, you're never going to get through the funk. When you accept the funk, you begin to analyze the funk. (laughs) This is hard. I get there's an emotional aspect of it. But when you begin to combat the lies of the funk with the truth of the situation, the funk begins to change. The funk comes from a lie. I'm not good enough. They don't love me enough. I'm not smart enough. We'll never, ABC, whatever it is you want to throw in there. You'll never get through it till you accept it. You got to combat lies with truth. When things are going great, we got it. But the funk happens, all of a sudden we're mad at God about it. Elijah accepted it. I'm going to show you what leads to from that. After that, we're going to remember what God's done in the past. The funk you're in ain't the first time you've been in a funk. It ain't the last time you'll be in a funk. And the same God who got you through that funk will get you through this funk. The funk is coming. Depression's coming. Fatigue and wanting to give up is coming. It's called life. Amazing thing about life is it never quits. It doesn't get tired in the 12th round. Life has stamina unlike anybody else. It just keeps throwing the punches and throwing the punches and throwing the punches. So you're always going to go through high periods and low periods. It's not the first funk you've been through and it's not the last funk. But I want to remind you today, he's not only God in the good times, he's God in the bad times. He's not only God when things are going great, he's God in the funk. He's not just God when the bills are getting paid, he's God when you don't know how you're going to keep the power on. He's not just God when you just meet your spouse and everything's great and they can do no wrong. He's God when you realize, holy smokes, who's this person I married? They've changed. They didn't change. You just didn't recognize what they were. Oh, did I say that? (laughs) Let's just throw a little more salt in that wound. They didn't change. You just thought you could change them. That's good preaching today. I don't care if a white boy is doing it. I've seen some black ones get on it. But a white one's getting to do it today, and that's preaching. You thought you could change them. (laughs) Your daddy told you you couldn't. Told your mom, but you knew everything. He's not just God when the sun's shining. He's God when it's the darkest hour of the day. He's just not God when it's all unicorns, farting bubbles. 
He's God when the snake's got his fangs in you. He's God when you realize unicorns don't exist. You need to understand something today. We're smoking what we're selling around here. Smoking what we're selling. And we believe there's a God. And He's God no matter the circumstances. He's the God of the good times. He's God of the bad times. He's the God of the funk. When work is great, marriage is great, kids are great, and everything falls apart, and you don't understand why, and funk happens, he's still God. What he did on the mountain, he'll do in the valley. The problem is not God. The problem is you have a crappy faith. The problem is you have a convenient God that when he does everything you want to do, he's God. And when things don't go according to your plans, you're mad at him. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Verse 9, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Brooks dried up. I told you to go to the brook. The ravens ain't bringing you any food anymore. You're freaking out. But hey, I'm God. I'm God. Head all over to Zarephath. I got a widow over there. You don't know her. You don't know what she looks like. You can't even look her up on Facebook to see what she looks like. You can't call ahead and tell her you're coming. You can't send her a piece of mail to tell her you're coming. But just roll up in there. This widow that you don't know, that you have never seen and don't even know her name, because I'm just going to tell you she's a widow. I already told her to make sure you eat and you're taken care of. The brook dries up. God gives Elijah a command. And I believe the moment that Elijah heard the command, I believe you know what he did? I believe he said, okay. You know why? Because a widow feeding you ain't crazy when you've been being fed by ravens. Oh, it's a human this time? I can do that. He went back and remembered what God had done in the past. God, you want me to follow the GPS again over to this city because you got a woman that's going to feed me? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I've been sitting at this brook for almost 18 months, and every day ravens have been bringing me a ribeye. At least a widow, maybe I could put in a request for something different. Not that I'm, I'm thankful for the ribeye, God. Sometimes in the midst of your funk, you got to go back and remember how good God's been in the past. <laughs> and when he said, go find the widow, I believe Elijah's mind went back to verse 4 when God said, you'll drink from the brook and I've directed the ravens to supply you food there. Widow, easy! Birds hard! Man. He remembered what God had already done in the midst of the funk when your marriage is at its lowest. How many of you have been married more than 10 years? 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. How many of you will be honest? I'm not asking for details. In them 10 years, there's been some funks in the marriage. 
I know it was always his fault. You can raise your hand. Man, you did good. She didn't even raise her hand down there in the front. She said, 10 years, man, I ain't ever had a problem with my husband. I'm going to have her teach next week how to get men in line. Listen, I've been married seven years. There's been some funks along the way. They were always your fault. But there's been some funks along the way. There have been some times people almost died. It's gonna be honest. In the lamb house, there have been funks that have led to broken windows. Fire pits kicked over. You say, well, yeah, funks. No guns to the head yet. There's been funks. And guess what happens when more funks come? I go back and remember that. Guess what? That window got broke. Holly came and fixed it. And we're stronger than ever. Oh, that funk. <laughs> but we got through it. How many of you ever been through a period where you were so broke, you literally didn't know how you were going to pay the next bill? Raise your hand. I've been so broke, I had to go to KFC to lick other people's fingers. That's how broke I've been. I told you, I've been so broke that I had $5 to my name. And the first time I got my kids, I had $5. I had to dig up change out of the cup holder to pay the tax at Little Caesars where I could have pizza with my kids. I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like. Remember a year ago, COVID hit. I'm in the event business. I thought everything was going to go away. And I suckered David and Sarah into taking me Mexican food because I didn't know if I was going to get to eat out again for another year. I was broke. I was whining. I, I remember in the middle, you ever been where you're whining to someone and your head's telling you, shut up? You're like, you're whining. You're like, just stop. But you can't. I remember David saying, it ain't the first time you've been broke. You'll get through it. Pass that cheese dip. I remembered. God got me through it before. It changed everything, didn't it? We went home that day and didn't stress over it again. Can I tell you, we ended the year with more money in the bank than when we started. Amazing what God does. He remembered what God had already done in his life. As you're going through the funk and the funk is going to happen, go back and just remember how good God is. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He says, I had the hairs on your head numbered. That's a big deal if you're Phil and got all that hair. Not such a big deal when you're Doug Knight and you got four hairs. But still, it's the point on averages. It's a big deal. He's a good God. He loves us. <laughs> the only way you're going to get through the funk sometimes is to go back and remember what God's done in the past. You decided five years ago to quit drinking. God took the urge away. But for whatever reason today, man, you're craving just go back and remember what God did then. You just lost your job. Guess what, though? Last time you lost your job, God gave you a better job. You just got to go back and remember. Your marriage is hell right now. Let me give you some education. I don't care how good your marriage is and how long you've been married. Marriages work. There's going to be periods of marriage is hell. If it was easy, everybody would do it. I'm not one of these people that think you should stick it out through everything. That's not who I am. But what I am telling you is, when your marriage is like hell, go back and remember the other times it was like hell. 
and how you got through it and God got you through it and he restored it. Sometimes you just got to go back and remember how you felt last week and know God will get you through today. The God who got you through yesterday will get you through the funk of today. There's times as the pastor of this church, I got to be honest with you, I, I want to leave. How many times have I tried to leave? Four? Four times. They haven't talked to anybody. Come and say, I'm done. I'm done. Can I be honest with you? When we put our house up for sale, I was done. I just didn't tell you. Everybody kept saying, why are you looking at houses in Cleveland? But I was done. I was going to hang out for a little while. I was done. God won't let us leave. And that's a good thing. Because you never make a decision in the funk. I remember when COVID hit. COVID hit. I'm going to be honest with you. Straight up, I don't talk about finances around here. $1,500 in the account here. $1,500. Now, I wasn't worried about us. Our finances come, different things we do. It wasn't a matter of me. Oh, my God, I didn't care about that. $1,500. And now the state's saying we can't even meet together. I was like, I guess we're done. I remember putting in my notes, call the landlord and tell him we're probably done. I got busy and just forgot to call him. The next week happened, and 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 we have an outside firm that handles all our finances where we can be above board. He calls me and says, man, what are you doing over there? Oh, man, we're surviving. He said, that sounds like you're thriving. He said, I've been doing y'all's finances for nine years. you got more money in the bank today than you've ever had. I said, how's that possible? COVID hit. Other churches were shutting down feeding people and stuff, and I'll never forget, they can't even say, do we keep doing the food pantry? They keep doing the food pantry. The first month we did it, the cars were lined up down the road. We fed more people than we'd ever fed. I'd never forget those that had the AA meetings over here. They said, uh, I guess we can't meet in the building. I said, no, I said, but you can meet in the parking lot. I can't stop us from doing that. And I remember pulling in here on a Friday night. There's almost 150 people under 35 years old on a Friday night out there meeting. The meetings just kept growing. You just got to go back and remember sometimes what God's done. As I was doing that, I'll never forget pulling out of the parking lot tonight, and I remembered. <laughs> we met in the parking lot for six months on a Sunday. Said, I thought you could just move into a building without building permits, and found out you can't. <laughs> six months we met in this parking lot, wrapped up in blankets. The band played on the back of a flatbed truck. Yeah. We put two buses on the side to block the wind. And week after week, there was 13 people, and then 20 people, and 30 people, 50 people. And it just grew, and it grew, and it grew. I remember... Our first Easter here, and it was standing room only. That's back when we were next door. I remember we had so many kids that we didn't have kids' space that we brought in school buses that we won at an auction. We didn't tell parents we were putting their kids on a bus. <laughs> Ripped all the seats out of them and put hardwood floors and put air conditioning. So you would check your kids into a room and they'd get put on a bus, and the parents would be like, 
Our kids love the bus theme. I'm thinking, no bus theme. They had a bus. <laughs> over and over, I remember God's blessings. I remember the marriages that have been restored here and the addicts that have got clean and the parents who prayed for their children to come into church for years that wouldn't come into church to come in. So when I feel like giving up and I'm in the funk, and I'll be in it again because I love you folks, but y'all are hard to pastor. They did not teach you how to deal with action church and Bible college. I have pastor friends that message me, just tell me some crazy story to make me feel better about the people I pastor. I don't even got time. I'm like, check this out, what I'm dealing with. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, my God. You got to go back and remember how good God has done. <laughs> I remember the guy walking in the church and he's DTing so bad from lack of alcohol. They had to go to the Chevron and get him a beer and tell the people we'd be back afternoon to pay for it, but we need to take it now where he can get some alcohol in him just where he could quit shaking enough to sit in the service. I remember the homeless guy walking into the service with no shirt on, someone taking their shirt off and putting it on him, and them going down to Family Dollar and buying themselves another t shirt. What happens in this crazy little island of misfit toys doesn't happen everywhere else. So when I feel like giving up, I just go back and remember. We were baptizing. Time, my wife out there. She wasn't my wife at the time out there. My daughter out there. When I feel like walking away. Sometimes you just got to go back and remember how good God is. When you want to kill him. We're men, we're stupid. There's times you're going to want to kill us. I get it. Just go back and remember the times he wasn't stupid. I know that's like 10% of the time. Just go back and remember. Huh. Last, I'm done. We're going to get out of here. I know it's Mother's Day. We're going to beat the Methodists to the restaurant today. You got to trust what God's doing. You got to trust what God's doing. Though Elijah didn't know what was going on in the funk, he trusted God. Though he didn't know how God would provide, he trusted God would provide. He didn't know God was going to send him a widow until he told me he was going to send him a widow, but he knew he would do something to provide for him. <laughs> he didn't know that he was going to meet that widow and the widow was going to nurse him back to nourishment so he would go to Mount Carmel and take on the prophets of Baal and have his greatest victory ever as a prophet. He couldn't see ahead. The Bible says in Isaiah, God says, I am, I am God, there's no one like me. I go before you and I make the crooked places straight. You don't understand the funk right now, but God's got a purpose in it. God's going to take your funk and going to use it for you to minister somebody down the road that I can't connect with because I ain't been through that funk. I can't relate to men that are having marital problems. I have the perfect wife. So beyond me, I can't comprehend it. That's right. But Bubba can. He's married to Misty. I mean, if you have problems, just go talk to him. 
Your greatest victory will always come after the funk. Because after the funk, there's nowhere to go but up. Go to Zarephath, there's going to meet a widow. And I'm done right here. Look what it says he did. Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. (laughs) He trusted God. When was the last time you truly trusted God? Funk's going to happen. Sadness is going to happen. The dip's going to happen, whatever you want to call it. Can't go around it, can't go over it, can't go under it. But how are you going to deal with it? You accept it. You remember God got you through it before. And you trust God moving forward. It's the only way we get through it. If we don't get through it, anger will destroy you because of what it does to others and you'll be alone. Depression will destroy you because ultimately you'll become a shell of what you were. Ultimately, you won't leave your house over it. Ultimately, no one will want to be around your negativity. And God forbid, ultimately, for so many people, they take their own lives because they can't get a grip on this part of their lives. It's going to happen. I wish I could tell you how to avoid it, but I can't. Accept it, remember it, and trust God through it. Next week, we're going to be talking about a subject I've never talked about, anxiety. If there was ever a time that we were anxiety-riven, it's this. I'm excited about that message. Hope you're here. But today, I just want to pray for you as you deal with the funk. Let's pray.